You go to the bathroom? Oh, I mean, I was, I was watching Cannibal Holocaust. And uh, I was told that it's like this notoriously disgusting, violent, grotesque film. And the entire time I was watching it, I couldn't get my hand off my dick. Like I was just, I, I wanted to have sex so desperately bad while I was watching Cannibal Holocaust. Have you had this? Yeah, problem? I got to go. <laughs> I would Thumbs like, oh. if I may, Surf's to take you on a strange <laughs> journey. What was that? I've been watching The Boys Long lately, and I love that one. That's a great show. My favorite's coming on the end of this month. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell, and I'm being joined today by warlock Patrick DeMarco. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good, pretty good. Out here in uh, sunny California, doing a guest spot at a friend's shop, so kind of nice. I figured I would podcast outside because the weather is amazing. Damn. We just got snow this morning up in the mountains. Fuck all that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you got a surfboard behind you, and I'm... I'm like draped in winter furs underneath the camera here. It's weird how like October hits, it's like cold. It's like as soon as October hits, it's like insta cold. Nipples September's must all... be erect. Yeah, oh yeah. I <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, just you were watching the debates too, because because I was. <laughs> we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, it is great to have you guys in the live chat. Thank you so much for joining. It is October 11th, and as of today, we have 37,538,007 worldwide cases of COVID-19 with 1,078,545 deaths. And we got a lovely, wonderful, vivacious, is a word, show for you today. In The Devil's Advocate, we got a nine cents letter. It's been a little while since I've done one of these. This is about control and about grief, and we're going to get into it. And the Infernal Informant, the Republican Party has embraced American fascism. So let's talk about that. And uh, in the creature feature, Nike Training Club. This is uh, something I want to talk about because I've been enjoying it. So that's what we're going to do. And of course, with Warlock Patrick DeMarco here, it's going to be a incredibly fun and enlightening, enlightening perspectives uh, conversation. <laughs> eh, eh. <laughs> he said the name of the show. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do here um horrific podcast great to see you everyone check out and subscribe to horrific podcast it's good stuff uh dog how you doing silly swastika missed you in the book club today good to see you man william how you doing gary what up and anyone else who joins in after the fact uh if you have any comments about what we're talking about uh dis disagree with uh, perspectives that we may have put it in there we'll try to get it in the show and we'll try to have a, a discourse as it were. It'll be fun. It'll be a good time. Good times. Uh, good this times. weekend. Have you been doing anything Halloween-y lately? Uh, not really. How's I your Halloween-y hanging? Uh, not too. It's, 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 uh, it's lack of. I mean, most uh -oh. of the haunted houses are closed, which is my favorite thing to do because I like to get scared. Yeah. And then um, there's no, like, there's nothing really going on. There's no horror films that are coming out in the movie theaters. There's none of that shit. So there's it's kind of like... Theaters. It's like, I just hear a, like, like just a big, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, unfortunately, it's, it's it sucks. But I will be. I will say this: there is a blue moon uh, on October thirty first. So if you want to do ritual at that time for your greater magic, I think that'd be an awesome time to Hell do that. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I mean, just as, as sort of like a footnote to that statement, you don't need a ritual chamber to do a uh, ritual. So if you want to be naked underneath the blue moon, I mean, by all means, do your thing. Just make sure it's not in the public square because no one wants to see that stuff. All right. Yeah, I went, I went uh, picking pumpkins at my parents' pumpkin patch, as many peas as I can stuff in a sentence, uh, at my parents' place. They just had like a whole bunch of pumpkins. And so they said, hey, come on over, bring your kids, grab whatever you want. And we we're like, hell yeah. So it was awesome. Got some pumpkins, painted them up, made them look all Halloween-y, decorated the house. So I'm, I'm doing what I can to get in the spirit. But I have to say, as a grown-ass man, without my kids being of like the trick-or-treating age, it's kind of hard for me to get in the Halloween spirit. Yeah, I can see where your, your 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 point is. I mean, I miss going to like Spirit Halloween and just looking at yeah. stuff. I mean, I yeah, I just it's just fascinated with the season and the holidays. Halloween's probably my favorite. I'm sure for most Satanists it is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, and then we used to go to Disneyland around this time too and do the Jack Skellington oh, and cool. the Haunted Mansion. Yeah, so that's fun too. But it's uh, and then we had this thing in Vegas which they stopped doing. Uh, it was called the Fright Dome. And it's like a old ghetto amusement park in Vegas. And then they convert it to a giant haunted house. Oh, the whole place. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. They just quit doing it. So a lot of the things that make us happy and bring in the Yuletide spirit, it's just kind of done, you know? It's just everything's over. It's, it's just like, you know, we're all waiting for everything to just, like, get rebooted. And it's just kind of like, you know... One out of six businesses have closed, so you can imagine if you were a seasonal business like only open on Halloween, that you just get get fucked. No. Yeah. Well, I guess like if if real life is terrifying enough, maybe we don't need to make up terrifying stuff. You know, I mean, everyone seems to be freaking out over one thing or another, so there's just enough like anxiety in the air. Maybe that's enough. We we don't need to have ghosts and goblins. Got... I'd prefer ghosts and goblins to the real thing. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'd, 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 I'd welcome some ghosts and goblins. Yeah. Well, it's not a bad idea. Just, just reminds, keep it traditional. My, that, was a, that was my favorite game on Nintendo, too. Ghosts and goblins. That was a good one. That was a really was good a, one. Yeah. The stage that used to fuck me up was the little white demons that would throw gems at you and it climb up the ladders. I always had the hardest time with that part. Yeah. <laughs> that, the thing is, is about like those old games, they were unforgiving at all like you started over if you died there was no saving yeah. where you were or picking up where you left off it was like if you got hit too many times you go right back to the very beginning of the fucking game not the level the game so yeah. it was very <laughs> and he didn't, he didn't have a you didn't have a directional stick you had up down left right yeah. a b that's it yeah. i still know the code to contra to get more lives yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me too yeah that was a good <laughs> game too <laughs> Yeah, fun. now games, now games, now are just like you know. I play, I try to play the new uh, Battlefront for Star Wars, and I was like, man, this shit's fucking hard, man. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to put in hours, man. It's like anything, ten thousand yeah, hours. I'm an adult, and I have to work, so no, I don't have <laughs> the time to be devoting to Battlefront. Yeah. All right. Well, um, one thing I do notice every time about this time of year is I always remember seeing uh, like a list 
uh, of something that was interesting to me the previous year, whether it was a list of images or films or uh, soundtracks, you know, something that I'm always looking up every year, like vintage Halloween cartoons and stuff. So I decided to just create the resource. So I created a page on my website called The Best of Halloween. Go to the homepage of ReverendCampbell.com and you'll find the post for it. But what I'm trying to do is just compile sort of my favorites of the season, whether it's a vintage cartoon series or a, a playlist of uh, you know soundtracks or just songs that evoke the spirit of the season, or maybe a list of films that I enjoy. Uh, if you want to check out what I find interesting or you want to contribute to this sort of archival list, check out the page and, and shoot me an email on what you think uh, I should add to it. Meant to just be fun, and that's really kind of it. Uh, at the intro, I did give a shout out to the Horrific Podcast. Uh, I got a lot of friends who do a lot of podcasts of their own. Horrific Podcast is one of them, but also Reverend Cardone. Reverend Adam Cardone, the musician and magician, is actually expanding his YouTube channel, which is pretty exciting if you like traditional magic. Um, he's doing a lot of stuff with his board game uh, series called Boardgasm. And then uh, he, now he's bringing out some uh, sort of old magician tricks how-tos and stuff like that in a new series. So check out uh, Reverend Cardone or Cardone the Magician or something like that. I'm going to put it in the show notes, but uh, check out his channel. And if you're into that kind of stuff and uh, Horrific Podcast is doing uh, basically horror stories, like traditional horror and sort of retelling those from, um, uh, I don't want to say amateur, but just uh, independent writers. Right. If you want to celebrate those ideas, go to those podcasts and subscribe to them and, and you know, support those. Because let's be honest, creators, it's something that a lot of us do professionally. But those of us who do it just for our own little hobbies, it's nice to get a little bit of, uh, you know, attention and eyes on what you're doing. Because it feels good. That's why you're doing this stuff, right? Cardone is the first uh, COS person I ever met. He's awesome. Yeah, he's the first person I ever met. And I was like, that guy. That guy's, yeah. that guy's probably in that guy's probably in it so yeah I just, he's uh, one of us i can tell yeah 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 and then he was like my first introduction to uh everything so he was like you that's know that's a high bar people, yeah yeah of all the people to be introduced into that world to yeah. have adam cardone as their first like connection to that world is uh it's very weird i was like you know it, it couldn't have been better you know it's it's oh, uh yeah. I'm grateful for a lot of the experiences that I have gotten mm -hmm. through our organization, and I'm I'm appreciative of the uh, the the bad stuff too because it helped me grow yeah. as a person. So it's yeah, it's uh, it's nice stuff. It's certainly been Cardinal's an interesting work. ride. <laughs> I'll say that <laughs> you you and I have shared a, a train car on this crazy train from time we, to time. We broke the internet just in our topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a good time. Um, yeah. uh, as sort of as a, a final introduction uh, to the show, I want to let everyone know the new season of the British Baking Show is out. <laughs> if you're a fan of the British Baking Show like I am, having a new season in COVID-19 season is incredibly awesome. And it's a good one so far. There's like three episodes. It's released weekly. If you're not a fan of the British Baking Show, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, you should be watching this. Do you watch British Baking Show? No. I don't watch it. You need I to. Do watch this, I do watch this other girl, though, on Netflix. She's, like, kind of, like, gothic, and she makes all this 
goth baking stuff. What? I, I can't think of the name of the show, but it's uh, somebody probably in the chat room will probably know what I'm talking about. But it's like they have like monsters. It's like oh, Pee Wee's cool. Playhouse, gothic meets baking. That it sounds is. awesome. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. Holy yeah. shit. All right. I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, in the meantime, how about we start with the little uh, nine cents letters, a little devil's advocate? Yeah. You look too you look too calm and rested. Thank you. Thank you. I went to the rub and tug before I got here. <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. Just gotta kidding. Get rid of that stress. <laughs> you know, from the waist down, you know, gotta, gotta keep those levels down, baby. Uh, we, we need to do we need to do this more often. Yeah. All right, here we go. Let me throw, oh shit, wrong, here we go. Let me throw up an image and we will get into this. Oh, I know I picked an image for this. A stressful image. All right, so from time to time I get letters from the audience, um, which is awesome. I don't always reply to them because I don't always have time if I'm being 100% honest. But this one I didn't reply to because I thought it would be a good topic for a show. And it's something that I know you and I have both experienced, grief and loss, and how that leaves you wanting for um, this idea of retaking control of your life, right? So I, I wanted to talk about this. Let me, let me read the question aspect of the letter that was sent in, and then we'll, we'll sort of riff on it. So my question is about control. One of our most emotionally painful things I have felt is when something terrible happened that was completely out of my control. For example, my ex-wife taking my son away from me. My urges are most destructive, but after years of work, I can finally let the urges fade without acting on them, ride the wave, as it were, uh, though it is still agony and takes days to let it wash over. Do you have any advice for getting through these inevitable periods of grief? So as I sort of set this up, you and I have both experienced grief in our lives. Do you have any suggestions for how to handle grief? Man, I just had this conversation today. That's so funny. Um, you know, when I get upset or I feel those emotions coming on, I try to, you know, occupy my mind with something else, do busy work, draw, paint. Um, another good avenue for me is to go to the gym and go boxing. So you know, if I'm out, you know, doing that, it makes me feel a little bit more grounded, a little more centered. I'm focusing on a certain task, so I'm not letting the emotion affect how I conduct my day. You know, I find it very important. Uh, sometimes you just have to just wallow in it for a few minutes, acknowledge yeah. it, you know, and then just kind of figure out a way to deal with it. Yeah. You know, where I'm staying right now, like my dad's hospice care is literally around the corner. Oh, shit. Yeah, so it's kind of like, a little it's 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 things little to go by there it's like man it's like i just you know and it's just weird how like places or smells or things will still stir up that stuff mm -hmm. and uh i think it's just you know for me for grief it's like fight or flight you know what i mean so uh that's pretty much what i do to handle grief or try to get through it i mean it does affect me from day to day you know yeah. being an only child and not having any parents anymore and you know having no family or siblings or any of that it's it just can be rough sometimes yeah I, I was always raised in a type of environment of like this machismo uh, sort of manly men type area where you were you were not allowed to cry. You were not allowed to show emotion. You just had to be stoic and you had to be a man. Just suck it up, walk it off, deal with it, 
just, you know, you have to be even keeled. Women were the emotional overreactors. Men had to just be like fucking statues, just rock, which is wildly unrealistic, but also it, it, it handicaps you as a human being, not being able to process emotion. It actually handicaps the way that you can deal with emotion as, as the way I see it. Uh, one of the things that I was introduced to early on in life were the stages of grief. Um, now, this is a little bit controversial nowadays. Some people think that it's total bullshit. There's, some people say there's only two stages of grief. Some people say there's seven and not just the traditional five that has uh, been taught for so many years. It doesn't really matter how many stages or what the specific stages are. What I think is most important is acknowledging um, your areas of control and your areas of lack of control and confronting what you can and cannot handle. And then what you were just saying is process what these emotions are. You have to face them head on as terrifying as they can be or as frustrating or maddening as they can be, but face them and allow them to wash over you. And if that means you have to just cry for a while or scream into a pillow or punch a fucking bag or whatever you have to do in order to sort of deal with that moment, do it. It's okay to wallow in what you're experiencing because we have to experience these things. It's a part of life. But then you have to move on. You have to pick up the pieces and you have to get past it. So um, I want to kind of go over the stages of grief really quick for those who may not know what they are or may not understand the process that is uh, brought about uh, through them. Uh, so grief is very personal. It's not neat. It's not linear. It doesn't follow timelines or schedules. You may cry, become angry, withdraw, feel empty. But none of these are wrong or unusual. This is quite a normal way to experience trauma in your life. Uh, everyone grieves differently. And there are some commonality, commonalities in different stages of the uh, acceptance or feeling of grief that we all have. Um, so these were brought about in 1969 by a Swiss-American psychiatrist named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who wrote in her book on dying and death, or on death and dying, the grief could always be divided into five different stages. Um, so the stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And again, not everyone experiences all these different stages. Not everyone experiences them in any particular order. Everyone is different and everyone has to face reality in their own way. So use this as a guideline to understand what you are experiencing in any given moment, because it will change from moment to moment, depending on the type of lack of control or the type of type of trauma that you're experiencing in the moment. And the order that Adam is reading is in, isn't necessarily the order that you will feel these things. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, just by way of, of trying to move past the idea of experiencing grief to how can a Satanist um, who ultimately prides themselves in their ability to at least steer their course of their life, deal with those situations that completely derail you, that, that leave you feeling completely home, uh, uh, um, I'm sorry, hopeless uh, or just, you know, throw you off your game as it were. And of course, there's satanic magic to help deal with that. There's lesser and greater magic. Um, and I think maybe it's even a little more challenging for Satanists because 
we do sort of put on these airs that we're always in control and we're always masters of our own existence. We're the highest embodiment of human life, as it were. But the reality behind that is that we're still human life. And that means that we are flawed massively in so many different ways, not just in the way that we experience reality, but also the way that we process it. You know, we're, we're limited per our own experience in real life, but also the culture that we are raised in and our own human anatomy, our own physiology, um, the chemical imbalances that we all have that are completely different than everyone else. Um, but again, we do have these sort of commonalities, certainly as Satanists, in order to deal with this. I, I want to put a pin in how to deal with this through satanic magic, and I want to address another point of discussion, because I, I think traditionally we like to think of world events happening to us, right? Um, we are the experiences, the, those, the survivors of an event, but sometimes we're the cause of these events. We have a role, in, you know, not in the death of a loved one, for example, but, you know, in, if you get a divorce or a breakup or, you know, your kids are taken away from you, yeah. you have There's... to face the reality that sometimes you're at fault. There, there are things that you did that led to that result, right? And there's times where there's things that you haven't done that still led to that result. Right. Yeah. There's something, you know, and that's, that's you know, that's, that's, you know, if... I think it'd be easier to process if you can put something like, yeah, I did this. I fucked up. I deserve it. This is why I did it. But when you've done nothing mm -hmm. and it's out of your control and you experience grief, that's when you you really have a hard time because it'd be easier to take if you knew that you had done something. The person could just be a piece of shit. Yeah. And they just, just fuck you over. And then you're like, I didn't do anything to deserve this, but you're still suffering from the causes of another peeing. I mean, most people don't think about the ramifications of their actions or how it might affect the other person involved. They think right. about themselves, the the selfishness of it. You know, being a Satanist, we are, we are known to indulge and be selfish creatures ourselves. Mm -hmm. But we have a little bit more intelligence. We understand the ramifications of what we do. Yeah. You know, someone that's like, well, I'm going to get him. I'm going to fucking take his kids from him. You don't know if that's going to be the breaking point for that person or what you're doing could torture them and torment them in such a way that the grief overtakes their body. And then we have what's called crimes of passion. Right. You know, it, it's, it's people, I hate to say it, but people are fragile Yeah. and you know, you, you keep, keep poking the bear. They don't get mad when the bear attacks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, shit, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> There's always a reaction. You have to expect craziness. Um, yeah, so, you know, there, there's different things that you can do. And again, it depends on your specific circumstance on how you approach them. But the tool sets are the same. So let's talk a little bit about psychodrama. Um, greater Magic Ritual. I know everyone loves that anecdote about the doctor cutting the newspaper after he cursed Jane Mansfield's agent. And, you know, he cut the head off of the newspaper by accident. And the agent got in a car wreck and, you know, he lost his head. Everyone loves that, and they use that as an example of greater magic is real, and it affects people. But I think what people need to really focus on is that the frustration, the pent-up aggression that was being experienced was unleashed and, and just let loose, not hung on to after the greater magic ritual. That's the important part of satanic magic, is that you actually get to... Take what is holding you back, 
face it head on and just let it go. Just get rid of it. You can destroy it. You can fuck it. You can desire its existence to just disappear. Whatever method you need to use to get rid of it, you can use that. Um, but again, it means you need to choose the right type of a ritual based on your specific circumstances, which requires introspection and some honesty. And that's not always easy, which is why I think most times people fail because they're using a, the wrong type of satanic ritual or or their intentions aren't at the same time like if you do a destruction right. if you do a destruction ritual on somebody and you love that person yeah. that's very contradictory and the ritual will result in your contradictoriness to it yeah so you you have to make sure that like you have to be you know you can't feel bad about a destruction ritual you can't love somebody if you're going to do something because you're out of balance and when you do your ritual your ritual will be out of balance too if you truly loathe and hate somebody, then destruction is the way to go. But if you love this person and care about them, it's not going to work. Yeah, and, work. and just to sort of tap into that, if that person that you're trying to destroy is taking care of your child, which you love with all of your heart, why would you then destroy the caretaker of the child? What do you think is going to happen? You know, what are the real results that are going to occur. So you have to look beyond your emotions in the moment to realize what is actually the best course of action. That so, is a really good point because yeah. you need to process your emotions and your grief before you step into that type of realm. That's yeah. a very good point that in the moment you can feel all these things. And then when you process it, you go, wait a minute, you know, this is where I need to think about it. You know, some people always are like, well, I'm going to get this person and they're going to make them suffer like they make you suffer. And that's human nature that's that's supposed to yeah. but you need to think about it if you're going to do a magic and you're going to put that stuff out into the universe you need to be very sure of what you're putting out and process how you feel before you get into that chamber yeah. or wherever you decide to do it yeah so what i would suggest is um if for example you don't know why something is happening to you why you find yourself in a certain position in life Conduct a compassion ritual. Try to process what is happening and your potential role in it. Try to work on yourself. That's the most important thing. You know, there's a reason why people, you know, if you're in an airplane and it's, you know, having tragedy and you're going down and, you know, the, the oxygen masks drop out of the ceiling, they say to put yours on before you help someone else. If you are not in a position to help someone, how can you possibly help anyone? You have to take care of yourself first, then you can take care of other people. So I think a compassion ritual in a situation of confusion or perhaps your inability to accept your role in a situation is imperative. Um, and then, of course, if you're going to, com uh, you're, you're just convinced you must conduct a destruction ritual, maybe not destroy the individual that's the caretaker of your child. Maybe destroy those elements that caused the separation of you two, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm throwing stuff out there because I don't know the situation. Alcoholism if, if or, or drug addiction. If your compulsions were taking control of your life so that you were separated from something that you loved, attack those compulsions. If, um, if it was an outside entity, like someone, uh, you know, wild your, your woman away from you, destroy them, not your woman, as an example. Try to get to the core 
of what actually happened to cause the event that is causing you trauma or grief and attack that with destruction. Don't attack, in some cases, the individuals because they may not be the source of the actual problem. Their behavior is a result of the problem in some cases. Now, of course, you're gonna run into some situations where people are just shitty. That's just reality. Welcome to the world. Some people are fucking monsters that you don't necessarily realize when you first engage with them. Destroy the fuck out of them. <laughs> Damn the consequences. If they're doing nothing but making your life a misery and asking you to just rip them from this earth, then let them have it. Do it. You Unleash. know, it's, it's funny about that because there are times when uh, I can speak for both of us that we've had destruction rituals put on us. Mm -hmm. And the person that was doing it was a complete buffoon. So, you know, they say there's balance and there's this and that. But if you truly are the superior, you truly are in the just and in the right, then watch that ritual take hold of that person and it will be catastrophic for them. And I wholeheartedly say destroy them with everything you have. Yeah. But make sure you know your opponent, you know. Yeah. That's a that's a key thing too. I mean, I know for you know, having it done to me and watching it blow up in the person's face is super satisfying. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I've done it and I've seen the the repercussions of of what happens to and not only the practitioner but also the person doing it too. I mean, you're going to pick up on some of that. If their person's involved with you, no matter what you do to them, if they're still involved in your life, there will be some kind of backlash or some kind of uh, in my experience there's been some lingering energy that came back at me that I was like, "Whoa, shit. Why is this happening?" Oh, because I put that shit out there. That's right. why. Yeah, I, and that's huge of you to be able to like recognize and admit, like because most people are just they're ignorant to you know what is actually happening to them, and they don't like to take any responsibility. They don't like to recognize reality behind action, and they just sort of experience as like a child would, for example. So that's that's very impressive. You, you, you know, that's the thing. It's 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 uh, you got to understand that what is. When you do a ritual, what is the main factor in the ritual? Mm -hmm. You. So yeah. you are a part of it in every facet. Whatever you're destroying, creating, or loving, there's you. And yeah. you're still the factor of it. You could do the greatest compassion ritual on the planet, but if you're a bumbling buffoon, it's going to be a bumbling buffoon <laughs> ritual. It's just, yeah. well, I do the ritual. What the fuck? It's like, well, <laughs> you know, the person that did it is an idiot. So mm -hmm. that's probably why it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. That whole combination lock principle. If you, you know, you people out there aren't familiar with it, check that essay out. I think it's in uh, the devil's notebook by uh, the mega or I'm sorry, by the doctor. Um, but okay. So we, we talked about greater magic, but now there's actually lesser magic that you can employ, right? Again, understanding your role in the situation is imperative before you engage. But once you have, you can examine the root causes of the loss. If it's your fault, Examine the faults and correct them. You have it in your ability to correct faults within yourself. You have to recognize them first, but you can correct them, right? Habits, behaviors, um, uh, inconsistencies. Of course, you can always adapt to the new situation. Because you find yourself in a situation that is different doesn't mean that it is horrible or inherently bad. The reason why human beings are able to survive is because we've adapted to our environment 
and to situations that are put upon us. That the human experience is a very malleable one. You know, our minds shield us from trauma in some cases so that we can survive. We have an innate fight or flight mechanism in our minds for survival. So we are very able to adapt. We just have to be able to sometimes break through and understand that that's the course of action we need to take. So for example, um, if you get a divorce and your spouse has your child, adapt to that new situation. And when you have that one-on-one -on -one time with your child, make it fucking count. Make it fucking count and live change, up to the expectation. Change, change is so hard for people, yeah. Adam. And I see what you're saying, you know, but, you know, people don't like to change. They don't like to change and what makes them happy, you know? Yeah. They don't like to change. Like, I, I don't want to be fucking divorced. I don't want to see my kid on the weekend. I don't want to have all this. Yeah. And sometimes it's not always what you want. You know, that's the exactly. thing that people people don't understand. It's, it's you know, it's two to make a relationship. It's this, it's that, you know. We don't, you know, we are masters in our own universe and we create in our own life. But we can't control everything in our own life. That's yeah. the one thing that people don't understand is you can create as much as you want, but you are not in control. You know, people will judge you or put their outcomes out there or or whatever they do to you because they are not in control themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I think that's the most challenging idea to get through your head nowadays. It seems is that the world doesn't owe you anything. The only reason why we exist as a species is because of the randomness of chaos and our ability to adapt. And that's it. aliens that came down <laughs> and the aliens. But beside those three things, mm -hmm. like, that's what makes us strong is our ability to maneuver reality, right? But that also means sometimes we delude ourselves. So, you know, part of that higher learning of Satanists is to accept and understand and try to process why. You know, how can I exist in this new dichotomy, in this new situation to still find semblance of joy that I had before or I thought I had before, but also find new experience and new forms of joy. And yeah, you, you can only control how you react to the situation and you can only create yeah. more into your world. You can't create in someone else's world. So, yeah. you know, if, if the dynamic sucks and you don't like it, well, you're going to have to get through it. And it's just what the, what it is, you know, being a Satanist, we create in our own world also goes we can create how we feel about the situation we create how we deal with it how we yeah. process it yeah so i hope i hope this discussion helps a little bit um for the person answering the or asking the question but also anyone else that happens to be experiencing this same type of effect you know lack of control or this sense of grief in their life use some of the tools that we mentioned and you're going to have to process in your own way because let's be honest every situation is different and interpreted differently. So you have to come up with these answers yourself, but there are tools available to you as we have discussed. So I hope that helps. Thank you guys uh, for submitting your question. And of course, if you anyone else has any questions uh, along this line or something else entirely, feel free to shoot them over. And if I can put it at, you know in the form of a show, then I'll, I'll definitely do that. Let's do a little bit of Infernal Informant.
All right. So this is a an article from Business Insider. It's an opinion piece. I want to read through it and then we'll discuss it after the fact. Let me throw up um, the image here really quick and we'll get into it. The Republican Party, and so again, this is from businessinsider.com. The Republican Party has embraced American fascism, an anti-democratic ideal that is unique to our country and is ingrained deeper in our collective consciousness and our history than most of us have been taught. Historians have often come ever so close to calling American fascism what it is before backing away and concluding that fascism is something for, from abroad. Robert Paxton, a preeminent historian of the political philosophy called the Ku Klux Klan, which was founded by high-ranking former Confederate soldiers, the earliest phenomenon that can be functionally related to fascism. Yet somehow we do not own our own American fascism. Building on Paxton in the Washington Post in August, Princeton University historian David Bell acknowledges that Trump and the terrorist groups that support him are nationalists, yes, anti-democratic of course, but he says that they're not fascists because they have not created a powerful mass movement, not unlike the movements in Europe between World War I and II. The logic reeks of American exceptionalism. The fascist KKK derives its ideology from a mass explicitly anti-democratic movement to overthrow the government of the United States, the Confederacy. In 1861, the rich plantation owners of the South were able to mobilize the entire region to fight the Civil War. It was a movement so violent that Union soldiers were forced to stay in southern states for years after the Confederate Army surrendered in order to uphold democracy. Some historians called what the Confederate slaveholders did a counter-revolution. It was an explicit rejection of a crucial line founding father Thomas Jefferson wrote in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Confederacy's repudiation of equality is outlined in its founding documents, including the Cornerstone Speech, a seminal speech given by Confederate Vice President Alexander Stevens just a few weeks before the Civil War broke out. In it, he outlines in the New Nation's Promise I'm sorry, the new nation's rejection of equality on the basis of white racial superiority. His country promised wealth and possibility, but only for a few white men. It is equality that makes a democracy possible. Without it, the strong can crush the weak and impose their will on the rest of society. That is how fascist governments are structured. That is how the Confederacy came to be. And that is what Trump's Republican Party is embracing now. In order to justify the institution of slavery as humane and just, rich antebellum southern planta uh, planters and politicians, they were most almost invariably one and the same, started rejecting democracy and equality in the mid-1800s. Instead, they decided their society should be built on a strict order, with the plantation owners on top and the slave on the bottom. Quote, Thanks to Jefferson, we have made a mistake. And pushed the love of democracy too far, Georgia political journal The Southern Watchman declared in 1857. Quote, Vulgar democracy and licentious freedom is rapidly supplanting all the principles of counter, uh, I'm sorry, of continuationality liberty. When shall the American people perceive that all our difficulties arrive from the absurdities of deciding that the pauper and the landholder are alike? competent to manage the affairs of the country or alike entitled to vote for those who shall. 
It was clear in the southern slaveholders that a sense of equality, or any attempts by the state to create equality, could disrupt their rule. So, in an attempt to keep power and uh, power, they took equality out of the equation. They also starved their government coffers, much like the agenda of our modern GOP. The results was a society with crushing inequality, not just between black and white, but the planter class and white small-scale farmers. An anonymous political pamphlet circulating among southern farmers in the 1840s, signed only with the name Brutus, described the state of South Carolina outside the planter class like this, quote, This state is said to have a republican form of government. It may be the form, but the substance is wanting. The great mass of the people are virtually disenfranchised. He can make nothing to lay upon for his family. He cannot get his children educated. He and his family are doomed to poverty, ignorance, and contempt of the favored aristocrat. There could be no social mobility when all the resources belonged to the planter class. So instead of seeking liberty as an individual's ability to pursue happiness, the southern planters came to think of liberty as one's ability to perform one's duty in service of the social order. If you were a slave, you were most free when you were the best slave. If you were a woman, you were subservient to your husband or father. The planter class placed its aspirations at the heart of its society, and it expected everyone to fall in line. Those who did not were met with violence and derision. The United States fought the Civil War to end slavery and preserve democracy in the continent. The cause the doomed Confederacy fought for, that it raised private militias for, was the right to violently preserve an unequal society completely captured by a ruling class imposing its will on everyone else. This is the origin of American fascism. Officially, the Civil War ended in 1865, but Union soldiers left the South 11 years later after the contested presidential election of 1876. Democratic candidate Samuel Tilden refused to concede to Republican Rutherford B. Hayes and would only agree to do so if Republicans agreed to end the U.S. Army's occupation of the South. Once they were gone, Southern fascists were able to organize their region's society in the anti-democratic way they wanted to, creating the Black Codes, Jim Crow, poll taxes, and poll tests. This is how fascism, a mass movement to enforce the social order of white supremacy, has been allowed to grow within a democracy for generations since the Civil War. Consider what has happened over the last two weeks alone. President Donald Trump has openly talked about refusing to accept the outcome of the November elections if he doesn't win. He's not the only one in his party who has suggested they will not respect the will of the people. On Wednesday, in his debate against Kamala Harris, Vice President Mike Pence dodged a question about the peaceful transfer of power, refusing to reject Trump's stance in favor of democracy. Trump was elated. That very night on Twitter, GOP Senator Mike Lee of Utah my home state, insisted that democracy is not a necessary part of this American experience. Instead, he argued, our government should strive for peace, prosperity, and liberty. But for who? Without democracy, there is only liberty for the strong, rich, and violent. 
That is what we know from observing undemocratic countries around the world and throughout history. Just hours after Lee's tweet, on Thursday, the FBI arrested 13 men in connection with the domestic terror terrorist plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Whitmer, a Democrat, has agitated armed right-wing groups in her state by enforcing public health regulations during the coronavirus pandemic. Trump counts the violent individuals in these groups among his supporters. In fact, just before these charges were announced, Trump called Whitmer the lockup queen on Fox News. This after referring to armed protesters in Michigan as fine people who were just a little angry. In a press conference following the news, Governor Whitmer said Trump was complicit in the threats on her life. She drew a direct line between Trump's refusal to denounce armed white supremacist groups at the first presidential debate. In doing so, she was repudiating America's most virulent form of fascism. That is what white supremacy is. Because of the legacy of the Confederacy in our country, white supremacy and fascism are inextricably linked. The militia groups threatening to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer and the marchers carrying Confederate flags in Charlottesville back in 2017 are all participants in this history. Their ideology is derived from the mass movements to overthrow the U.S. government in the antebellum South, just like the ideology of today's neo-Nazi is derived from Adolf Hitler's mass movement to take over the world. Both groups are just as fascist today as they were in the past, even if they lack the support they had before. In part because our refusal to acknowledge this history, America fascism is lodged so deeply into our system that we're still fighting on multiple fronts, voter suppression, right-wing terrorism, and racial injustice. That same denial has permitted men like Donald Trump and Senator Mike Lee to delude themselves into thinking that they have some kind of commitment to freedom when they are, in fact, carrying on that fascist history. It is time we all acknowledged that. So I appreciate you guys sitting through that. I know that was long. I thought it was a very interesting opinion article written because I had never, even though it, it seems like one should, attached white supremacy to this idea that is an American form of fascism. Whenever I do think of fascism, I think, of course, of World War II and Adolf Hitler, right? But I think it does take on different forms. So what do you think about this? I know we, you and I don't align um, politically. And so, I mean, in, in most cases, I should say, I think in some cases we do. Um, what do you think about this idea that, that white supremacy and the Republican government at best, accepting and calling white supremacists uh, fine people and not uh, denouncing them, and at worst, actually encouraging them to uh, stand back but stand ready. What do you think about that? So it's appalling in the first place to see, like, that, you know, the transition of power and these groups are not going to allow that to happen. They believe that they're superior to anybody else, especially, um, you know, uh, Confederate style. Um, that's what I'm looking for. Confederate style uh, uh, banding together. And it's not about rebellion. It's not about that stuff. They, they believe that they're right now. On a weird note, you believe in meritocracy, right? Yeah. yeah. That the only the best should rise to the top. That's kind of the same thing the plantation owners were talking about too. Whoa. They believe they believe that the only the very best and the very elite who have earned their place should be able to make the decisions. Not the not the people that are the slaves, not the people that are in the house, not the people that are not on the plantation or the drugstore guy, 
only the super rich and super elite, because they've earned their place, should be able to make those decisions based upon equality. That could be mistaken as meritocracy. They believe that, well, we have achieved all this. We should be the ones that make the decision because we've earned it. Now, I don't agree with that at all. And it's just just an interesting, just to make you think a little bit, because these guys believe that they are the very best, that they believe that they are the very ones that should be making these decisions. What are these goddamn Democrats? No, they don't know jack shit. They don't affect my world. That's the mentality. They believe that they are right because of race or upbringing or whatever has been washed into their brains about who they are and what they stand for. So they're taking a stand and they believe in this make America great again, a catchphrase that you can get behind. Keep America great again. We're not going to let our buddy Donald Trump down. He's, he's, he's got our best interest at heart because it's who he is. During the debate, I heard him denounce the white supremacists. I don't understand why that's not a topic because I watched the debate and he denounced them. He said, well, what are they called? Fine. I denounce them. What's next? Oh, no, that that's not what he said at all. I mean, if you want to be literal, he has denounced white supremacists before. Like he absolutely has. That that's well, not. Well, he said it during the debate. Lot. He says in the I debate, he said, well, "Give me a name. What's a name?" And they threw out Proud Boys. He's like, "All right, Proud Boys, stand back or stand down, stand ready, or something like that." It wasn't. I denounce you. So it was very much. He, that's why people are saying it's a I mixed heard message. He, den- he goes, "Whatever they are, I denounce them. What name do you want me to say that I oh, denounce?" Oh yeah, that's. He that's said that first. That's what I heard. So. I was like, well, okay, so, you know, it could be – anything could be taken out of contents. And I don't believe yeah. that two yeah. minutes is enough time to talk about anything. Not at all. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but that's – the reason for this is they believe that they're right, that they are superior, that they believe that that the, that the Democrats and whoever and this and that are beneath them. They mm. believe in their meritocracy, that they need to make these decisions because obviously these – these people can't. They're trying to road away America. Right. Yeah. It's horrible. But, you know, that's that is the this is what people don't understand and give you a similarity to uh, fascism with mm-hmm. Hitler as well as the Confederates. Well, the main thing that they fought so hard is it wasn't because they believed that men are equal and this and that. It was an economic thing. Taking away the slaves would ruin the South. Their sole business relied upon slave labor that they didn't pay. That's how the system worked. Now you're telling me I can't use the system? Well, fuck you. You're full of shit. I need to make my system work. This is my money. You're messing with my economy. Same thing with World War II. Germany was obliterated economy-wise. They weren't doing anything. Here this man comes along. I'm going to make Germany great again. I'm going to give you back your jobs. We're going to be powerful. We're going to be awesome. Of course I want to be powerful and awesome. Nobody's going to say... No, I want to wallow in shit and not have any money to eat. No one's going to say that. <laughs> this is the mentality. The way that the Trump campaign has riled these people up is that they believe that if we let these Democrats in there, if we don't let him be president, it's going to road away our economy, our ability to make money, our ability to control our lifestyle. Yeah, That's where the yeah. message is coming from. And it's the same thing in the South. It's the same thing. If I, so I agree with the, the statement totally. But I, but I think he misses the point where it's not about economics because it is. It's strictly about money and economics. You know, uh, you know, that's what people are most most pissed off about. Now I'm gonna make a prediction on this mm-hmm. show. I'm oh, gonna shit. have a gentle, I'm gonna have a gentleman's bet with you for one dollar because that's what a gentleman's bet is. Okay. 
Trump will be the next president. It's already totally, been decided. I, I totally disagree. I'm telling you right now, he is going to be president. People laughed at me the first time I said he was going to be president. Right. He is going to be president. I'll take the, the dollar. People, okay, the people, I, I will mail it to you, and we can have another show where you present your dollar, or or I'll <laughs> no. present my dollar that you gave me. Yeah. Uh, so, but uh, I, I, the stock market predicts who will become in office, and the stock market is doing great under President Trump. I'm telling you, he's going to be president again. People he's been laugh so at my volatile, face. dude. <laughs> he is going it, to. It's it's going to be ridiculous, and people are going to be really upset about it okay. because I'm just. It, it's it's. Plus, let's just say hypothetically that he doesn't get out of office, that he get he does get voted out. He will burrow in and he will fight it like and take and fucking. <laughs> he oh, will. Yeah. Did you, <laughs> you ever watch Escape from L.A. the movie with Kurt Russell? Um. I know the movie. I'm not. I haven't okay. watched it. The I know president, the based upon a catastrophic event, gets sworn into a lifetime of presidency. Mm. It's. It's. I'm like, is Donald Trump following this movie? Like, because like <laughs> he really, likes the '80s movies too much. really, really close. <laughs> so, Escape from LA was the best sequel ever. I love the sequel. Uh, but it's just one of those. That's the way. These people feel that they're right and they're superior and they should have more than what you have. That's mm. all it is. They don't believe that, you know, and think about it like this. Trump supporters are willing to arm themselves to yeah. protect the presidency. Yeah. That's unprecedented. That's why very, they're saying it's fascism. This is a very, that's what Hitler did with children. Yeah. You're a first. So he, if people say he's an idiot, no, he's not an idiot. He's definitely not an idiot. But he, he, he believe me, his, his base is so radicalized that it's it's gonna be i mean people are so loyal to this man it's it's incredible yeah it, you know is. i know I, I my political views in this election is i don't know who to vote for because i don't like either of them mm -hmm. i mean biden's been in politics 47 years he's done jack shit so i'm sorry but it, it's 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 more you know go you know it's it's you know here we do in america we give everybody a chance to be president well, that guy fucked it up. Let's give it to this guy. We actually go the opposite. So we either go dumb, smart, smart, dumb. It's 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 opposite to the end. We go one pass, one swing to the pendulum to the other swing of the pendulum. Joe Rogan had a bit about we just got out of a relationship with a very nice girl. <laughs> she was sensible, but she wasn't fun, Obama. And now we're dating a whore. And that's exactly <laughs> what we're doing. Okay. Got fake hair. We're driving a yellow Corvette. We're screaming Van Halen. That's what's going on right now. But yeah. that's just how it is. Nobody knows how to do the job. That's the great thing about it. And you can't have experience to do the job. Have yeah. you dictated before? Until have you, you been, actually do it? Have, yeah. Right. You can't. Have, you can't come in with extra experience. So it's. It's just what it is. It's yeah. what it is. So. I think just it's just for the the focus of the article. I I do think it's interesting that there is only one party that is trying to disenfranchise people from voting. There's only one party that is saying that only one type of person is really a first-class citizen and everyone else should fall in line. There's only one party that's saying is, it has to be our way or else it is un-American and they're doing so legislatively. There's only one party that is actually a minority. Their ideas are a minority, but they game the system so effectively that they continue to find themselves in power. 
that's when you realize that this is no representative democracy. This is a total farce of democracy. And when you do see that their followers are taking up arms, threatening civil war, and actively murdering peaceful protesters that are just simply expressing their difference of opinion, then you clearly have a fascistic representative style. And so for anyone to deny that, you as an individual may not be a fascist if you're a Republican. You can be a sensible Republican. They're everywhere. They exist. It's a thing. Just like there's sensitive Democrats and then there's corporatist assholes and then there's fucking far left nut jobs. But the fact is, is that the majority of fascists, American fascists, are being supported and encouraged by the Republican Party. Not necessarily Republicans, because it's a difference. We all have to accept and understand that. But the party is supporting it. They're not shutting it down. They're not trying to stifle its existence because they realize that that is the only way that they're going to continue is the fervent opposition to any other ideas. And that's how they've remained in power for as long as they have. And I'm not just talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about before that. And that's how they're going to remain in power unless people wake the fuck up and realize that you're siding with American fascists. And here's the other thing that we have to talk about. There is no such thing. There never has been any such thing as American exceptionalism. Americans are as racist and bigoted and sexist and ignorant and objectively stupid. The worst of all other humans. You know why? Because we're fucking humans. Just like every other nationality. We draw these imaginary boundaries around our planet and pretend that if you're on this side of the boundary, somehow you're better than someone on the other side of the boundary. Well, that's not the fucking reality of truth. The reality of truth is that human beings have innate capacities of understanding and experience. They either work within those bounds and exceed, or they don't. It doesn't matter where you live. It's just a function of existence. And we have to stop pretending that just because we're Americans or because we identify with one party politically in America, that somehow we're better or we know more than others. The truth is, you don't! Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent especially, because I know you guys like to take the fucking high ground. You don't have it. You never have. Let's stop pretending that everyone somehow is their own fucking genius and has all of the answers. We're all just trying to react and understand. That's it. And ignoring the reality of our history, ignoring the truth of what America historically has been, only allows it to continue in the same diseased framework that it has since its founding. That's all, it. All, all people want is grape and not cucumber. <laughs> you know I want cucumber, how dare you? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? There was a, if you guys ever want to watch this YouTube video, uh, it's called Grape versus Cucumber. I think that's what it's called. It's about two monkeys. And they have two monkeys in identical cages. And the one monkey, they give him a pebble. And he takes the pebble and he puts it in the tray and he gives it back. Hmm. And they give him a cucumber. Now, he's fine with cucumber. The monkey next to him, they give him a grape. The monkey doesn't want cucumber anymore. He wants fucking grape. Equality. We all want to level the playing field. Yep. Even the monkeys understand it. Yep. So nobody's better than anybody else. We all want to be treated the same way. And we all want the same rights as everybody else. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It, it's a funny video to watch because the monkey... That gets cucumber goes apeshit. It's pretty funny. <laughs>
The monkey goes apeshit. Dude, he gets he gets so he gets so fucking mad. I want a fucking grape. I want grape. Yeah, so, <laughs> grape. So it's, it's 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 a pretty. And it, if 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 the if that creature if if they can understand it, then you know it's not that foreign of a subject. They you know, and I think some of these people too that are Trump supporters, they want something to believe in. Yeah. They want to feel good about their country yeah. because they don't have any control. So this is the first way that they can have some control in their lives that they feel that like at least i'm signed with the rest mm-hmm. right motherfucker so i can get what i need to get done yeah but and that's i really don't see anything wrong with that like whatever you, you need to do to feel good about what's going on i get it like i definitely let me, understand it let me ask you this right a might makes right correct like are they exercising their might i, I think they, there's they... there's asterisks to that because okay. i i think people don't fully understand the might makes right dichotomy and i think on its face it's a very limited sort of schoolyard this is my toy you can't play with it type framework i think it's a much more complex idea than is initially presented okay it all comes down to uh they took your job people don't want their jobs taken i think it's i think more importantly it comes down to the idea that they could Take your do, job. Do you know what's what's interesting is how crazy things have gotten when people aren't going to work. Isn't that interesting? I think how it's people... always been this way. I, I think no. we're just. I think people I think have it's... more time to stew in it, but I think it's always been this way. It's always been this way, but I think people, when people were going to work and you're able to make money and you can buy what you want and get, you know, you can buy, you know, everything is the wheels are going great. That's when everybody doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. But when they can't go to work, they can't get their job. They see other people getting stimuluses, and they're not, and they're struggling. They get angry, and the angry starts to get more anger yeah. and produces more anger. And then they band together with other angry people, and they start shit like this because they don't have anything that give them any kind of structure. Yeah. You know, and I, and this – I might get some backlash on this because I'm sure I will. But, uh, you know, people need to go to church. Some of those people are church-going people. They need that sense of community. Right. They need to feel like they belong somewhere. That's another thing too. I mean, it's it's they're preying on people's weaknesses and insecurities and their lack of stuff to ram home a message that let's be great again. I want to be great. You want to be great. We all want to be fucking great. Nobody wants to be shitty. Yeah. So that's the whole point. And he's it's just irresponsible. And but I I think that it's a lot of this stuff. I think is done on purpose. So we shall see how it all comes in November. So yeah. you know we. We have a giant tur- uh, uh, douche or a turd sandwich. That's our choices. So we're going to have it. to figure it out. <laughs> That's it. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I will like to close this, this idea of um, militias because some people like to sort of try to latch on the idea that militias aren't inherently white supremacists. I've I've met a lot of militia people. I'm in Utah. I mean, this is inherent in Utah. Um, it's not as bad as Michigan or Montana or Idaho, but it is inherent here that we have militias. I have never met a militiaman, and they're almost always men that I've met, um, that are intelligent, introspective, insightful, or creative. They're always disenfranchised, down themselves, blaming other people for their problems, never accepting responsibility for themselves, overtly religious or conspiratorial. That's it. And so what do you expect? This is just the type of 
people that exist. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying that this is what we have to share the planet with. They exist, admit it. But let's stop pretending that simply because militias exist, that they're a good thing or that they're somehow uh, even objectively positive. They're not. They never have been. Really? Because uh, America was won on private militias from the British. Okay, well, let's pretend that we're not in this... Let's pretend we're not in this revolutionary moment. But because if there's like anything that everyone who founded the... Const no, hold on, hold on. Because the revolution existed so that we could create our constitution. We have our constitution. If you are claiming as an, a, a militiaman that you are defending the constitution or you're somehow trying to preserve it, your mere existence is the sole thing preventing it from continuing. You're the one standing up and saying that you're interpreting it wrong or that's not the intended framework or somehow someone is doing some injustice to the document. The militias were needed in order to create the founding documents. The founding documents now exist and our militia that we have in order to preserve it is the National Guard. Not your homegrown uh, well, friends in your backyard stockpiling like weapons. They need to do something. They need to get into action. They figure that that we need to uh, stand up for the. See, we had a. Then have them join the, the military, which is so our militia. The reason why we had a militia is because we didn't have a standing army. That's okay. why we needed it. We had a problem in Nevada with the BLM, not Black Lives Matter. The Bureau. No, of no, 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 no. That was not a problem. The farmers were grazing on public lands. It wasn't public lands. It was public lands. Was That's why land. the BLM came in. It was this agreement that they had had for generations. That was the disagreement, though, is whether or not it was public lands. I think we can both agree on that. And okay. that's why both sides, you know, jumped up in, right, in each other's got, faces. But people got militia, and then things started happening. Mm -hmm. they, had, they, they had to take it with might. They had to make their point across. So yeah. if, but that's, but that's the thing. It's like, and they did. And, 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 and but in our constitution as well, it says we're allowed to bear arms to fight the tyranny of our government. That's what these people believe they're doing. Yeah. They believe in they're fighting the tyranny of the democratic yeah. party. That's they, that's why they're like, Hey, it's in our, they can twist anything around that they want to make their cause just yeah. and righteous. Yeah, I, I agree. That's that is absolutely what they're doing. Right or wrong, however you see it, I think that is their mind frame. Because they believe that they're defending. Yeah. Their, yeah, that's what I was just. Yeah, sorry, let me interrupt you. Yeah, no, no, you're right. I, I think I think that is exactly what they're thinking. Um, okay, let's leave it there, uh, and let's close out with this final segment here, creature feature. Let's do this. Sort of personal fitness. Do you like it, Sue? <laughs> About fitness, we don't about. I like your fitness, sir. <laughs> you got good fitness. What? What the fuck is that? <laughs> the fly. Oh, that was a great one. You put the vomit on the dude. That was awesome. Brendo fly. That's what was on Mike Pence's head. No. <laughs> it was Brendo fly. <laughs> uh, that was so funny. If I was Kamala Harris, I totally would have told him like, hey, "You got a little. Uh, come on, wipe that off." Like, let's not have him have a damn you know, fly on his head. You know what's head. funny is that people were focused on the fly on his head versus what she was saying. Versus what they anyone was saying. It. How could you they know? They heard none of that because yeah. they were focused on the fly. Yeah.
as a stagehand, well, let me say something. As a stagehand, if an actor ever pissed me off on stage before they went on there, I would set a prop to look like it was going to fall. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh. oh, my God, that thing looks like it's going to fall over. Yeah. No matter how great of an acting job that cocksucker did, everybody was watching to see if that glass would fall <laughs> off the table. That's fucked up. All right, let's talk about Nike Training Club. So I, I regularly work out every weekday morning just in general. Um, but my regular workout regimen was getting a little bit stale as if you do something long enough, you just kind of get bored with it and you go through the motions. Um, so I've regularly gone back to the Nike Training Club app. So this is an app for your phone that offers, uh, well, let me describe exactly what they say it is. Is it free? It's yeah. Free app? yeah. So it's designed to help you reach your fitness goals no matter what they are. By giving you the tools, the motivation, and accountability you need to offer or to feel success and confident. It offers over 115 class-style workouts, results-oriented programs, and in-depth nutrition and wellness advice from world-renowned trainers and experts. And what I love about this is that it is free. So I was really excited when uh, Apple announced that it was going to do its Fitness Plus program that would like tie into its devices to monitor, you know, your your state of welfare and stuff. I like that aspect of it. Nike Training Club does the same thing if you have those devices in order to do it, but it's free. The Apple Fitness Plus is not free. And so I was a little bit bummed about that. Um, but I understand people got to make money. And so I don't shame anyone for charging for their services. Of course, you have to make money somehow. I don't know how Nike Fitness doesn't, but they don't. And they have videos explaining every single exercise so you know how to properly perform it so you don't get injured while you do it. But what I love most about it is that, yes, it tracks and it gives you little incentives and, you know, it, it sort of gamifies the idea of fitness. But what I really love about it is that it offers programs catered to different types of goals and different uh, equipment at hand, right? So if you have a full stock gym in your house, then there are programs for you to utilize that. If you don't have any equipment, it has programs designed for that. And it, it's based on what you want out of it, right? So if you just want to lose weight or you want to put on weight or you want to get muscle or, you know, whatever your fitness goals are, they have programs designed for it. So I'm in the middle of an eight-week program right now that is kicking my ass and making me sweat like no other in the mornings. But it's, it is really fucking hard, but it's great and it's free and it's just there at the tip of my fucking fingers so I can just break the monotony of working out that everyone falls into, right? I, I'm sure you do too. You get bored, right? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I get bored. You know, sometimes I get bored. Did they give you the t tickets with the app? The tickets? What do you mean? To the gun show? <laughs> 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 oh, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. Nice. <laughs> nice setup. I did not see that coming. No, that's good. That's good. I mean, I, I, I mean, because I box on a regular basis, plus I lift weights. So it's never the same thing. I mean, I do, it, right. you know, doing the rounds and, you know, bag work, it does get to be tedious. That's why, that's why we spar and we do other things. So, yeah. you know, my coach has taught me a lot of stuff over the years that I can do on my own. So, you know, I'll hit the regular gym, you know, and I'll lift weights and do all that jazz. And then I'll go to the boxing gym and then I'll just run and, hit the bag and and you know work on my drills and spar and things like that so yeah it just you know it just gets to be sometimes it gets tiring it's it, it's getting monotonous i would like to do some new things so i mean i i would look into that app i mean it, it's important mm -hmm. i think getting you know and that's a, a, 
you know, we were talking about working out as a way to get rid of your depression and how to yeah. deal with it. Yeah. You know, if you look good, you feel good. And if you mm -hmm. eat good, you feel good too. You know, change your diet too. I mean, eating McDonald's every day is going to make you fucking feel like shit. And you're going to look yeah, like yeah. shit. And you're going to have food. You're going to, you know, you got to eat some, eat some greens, eat some vegetables. Hell Stay yeah. away from the rocky road. Do about 500 sit-ups. You'll be fine. Yep. Yeah. It, <laughs> no, I get it. Uh, that's in with the app that you're discussing. What is it about it that you enjoy so much? Is that it's different every time, or like what is? Yeah. The, the, each of the workouts are are designed for progress orientation, right? So it starts off. It's still challenging, but it starts off at the early weeks depending on the program, of course, um, where it's a little more accessible and they give you alternate workouts if you can't quite do the workout as expected. And then as you progress in the weeks, it gets harder and harder to maintain with your natural growth and strength uh, uh, creation, right? So it, it continually challenges you. And thing is, is like, I, I don't go to gyms or anything. Like I, I was, you know, in the military, um, and I got used to self-motivation and sometimes I just don't really have it. And so it's nice to look to a program that exists because when I, like my first um, workout bench, I had to dig a goddamn canal in order to purchase it because I couldn't afford it. Right. And then with it came the Joe Weeder workout manual. So it had a program that Arnold Schwarzenegger used based on what Joe Weeder told him to do. And so I use that as my foundation for working out and strength training. Um, and you just get tired of doing the same things over and over again. So exploring new programs or having programs that only exist for certain, like the one I'm on is eight weeks. For eight weeks, you know that you're going to do something completely different every time you work out for eight weeks. And it's all working toward the same, same goal that the program was designed for. Right. And that's what I really out. love about it is that there are so many different programs that I could do it every eight weeks and do something completely different, even though I have the same equipment and the same home. And, you know, I'm not doing I'm not going out and buying new stuff like, you know, I've got medicine balls and, and dumbbells and jump ropes and machines and, you know, step ladders and stuff like that. So I, I have gear, but it's not like a full stock gym. But I can still do everything that's required of me. So it's really, really yeah. nice in that aspect. Yeah. I have a lot. I do a lot of a lot of push-ups and jump rope and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. You know, but boxing, you know, you got 16-ounce gloves on your hands. Mm. Try doing that for an hour. Yeah. You know, your arms are going to be, like, wasted, you know. And that's just, you know, and boxing is anaerobic. It's the depletion mm. of oxygen. I, I think I'd be down to check out this, this app. I'm not a big fan of CrossFit, but mm. I think CrossFit is dangerous. I mean, you know, some of the... Some of those exercises that you do should not be done every day. Some right. of those exercises are rest, completely dangerous for your body. Yeah. You know, clean and pressing every day is ridiculous. That's not, that's not something you do. You know, dead lifting every day. It's not something you should do either. That's a, that's a, unless you're doing reps and you're doing only three or four sets. But if I go deadlift, that's an all day process, man. That's an all day thing for me. Yeah. That's so, what I like yeah. about this is it, it builds in recovery days so that, you know, you know, if you're going to work incredibly hard and sort of break down your muscle tissue, you need to give a day or two for your body to recover. And then you get right back into it. 
Um, now for me, it's really nice cause I have my own treadmill. So, you know, my recovery days are my run days. <laughs> that's just, so I have it worse set up. So and plus you know, where you live, it's crappy weather. So you have to be inside anyways. <laughs> Today was, but traditionally it's not as good as what you have out there, but it's usually pretty good. So yeah, it, I mean, it, it's, it's been a really good experience with this and I've, I've, it's not for everyone. It's not for every case. Like I used to run with it and then, you know, train with it. And then I got off of it for a while, went back to my regular routine and then I come back to it. So it's something that I just revisit, but I do think it's a value for some people and you may be one of those watching this. So check it out. If it's for you, great. If it's not, that's okay too. But what you brought up earlier, I think is so incredibly important. Um, Patrick is that we have to, we have to exercise. We have to eat properly. We cannot always do that on our own. So it's nice to have tools available to you to help motivate you or help steer you in proper directions for continued health and welfare that will allow you to lead a better quality of life. And ultimately that means that you're going to be able to exert your will more on other people and realize your goals if you're healthy. Correct. So, you know, and, and if someone's getting into fitness and you want like a good, like book to read about fitness, uh, you can always go to Amazon and get Arnold's encyclopedia of bodybuilding. That is a fantastic book. Oh, has nice. a lot of like nutrient stuff in there. has a lot of workouts, a lot of stuff, you know, you can even, you know, take the workout, you can take your phone, Google what the workout is, you know, YouTube it, it will show you how to do the exercise. That's another great tool too. Like Arnold's Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding is is incredible, especially with supplements to take, things like that. I mean, it's a really, really good book. I mean, it's like like this thick. It's, it's oh, yeah. yeah, it's a pretty good one. So and then I'm sure the app that um Adam is talking about will help beginners to extreme to intermediate. So whatever your skill level is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. what I love about it. Um, all right. And there's also a, a running club app. If you are, happen to be a runner, it does a really good job of whether you're out on a trail or whether you're on a treadmill, tracking your progress and updating. If, you know, I'd like to, I like to monitor my health through different health apps. Um, and it all syncs together and it all keeps, you know, all of my progress together. So I know where I need to be and, you know, where I am in any given moment. It's just something I like to do. So, you know, if you're in the same way, then uh, check out those apps as well. But that's all I have for you. Uh, Patrick, thanks so much for joining me on this episode, man. Of course, man. I just know that there's no one else. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> oh, I can't get this person. I can't get that person. Oh, no, Damn, not just... at all. <laughs> I haven't had anyone on the show for a long time. And I brought you on because I specifically have been thinking about you. And it's been too long. And I like your opinions. And well, here's the honest you. fact. We don't always agree, and I like that. Like, we don't have to. That's what's great, is we can share our ideas, and we can sort of banter back and forth. That's healthy. That's it's, reality. It, it's boring if we both agree. Yeah. It's completely yeah. boring. It's like, yeah, yeah, you got to have that. You got to have that dynamic, you know, and that's like, I start with joke with Adam. I'd say, you're the, you're the button-up shirt guy, and I'm the t-shirt guy. <laughs> and that's it's kind of how it works, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, uh, we're different. We're too, you know, we're not you know, people see things in a different way and it's yeah. good for the banter. And I think it makes for a, a better show when the people can engage in conversation and challenge the other person. You know, there's times where I, I come away from the show and I'm like, fuck man, I never thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, and then, I, then I'm glad that I did the shows and I'm like, Oh, my whole perspective changed. And I feel a little enlightened. 
I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, plus, I, you know, you're funny and it's entertaining and I like the banter that we have back and forth. So yeah. it's always a good time whenever whenever you can have time to, to join me on this. So uh, Of course, it. man. I always I always enjoy doing it. And if my schedule permits, I'm always down. Always Hell down. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, thank every one of you in the chat room. I know we didn't get to a lot of your back and forth and there was a lot of stuff that you guys were throwing up there, not just between each other, but, you know, tossing ideas based on what we were talking about. I'm going to have to rec uh, um, uh, review that after the fact, because quite honestly, it, it's hard when there's so much going by to, to dive into it all. But um, thank you guys so much for your engagement in the live show. And for those of you watching after the fact, thanks. You can always support the show by subscribing to the YouTube channel, signing up to the email list, and that's it. So thank you all once again so much. And until next week, hail Satan. Hail Satan. <laughs>